Thank you, Chris. What a friend we have in Jesus. Well, as I said earlier, um, thank you again for all your prayers and concerns and uh, reaching out to Brittany and I. And I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, I, I am going into some therapy for uh, dizziness and uh, some balance issues that I'm having since my concussion. So I'm going to sit today while I preach, uh, just because it's probably for the best. Um, but the doctor said, hey, you can do it, uh, just take it easy. So I'm not going against the doctor's orders here. This is, this is very well. And, but, and this isn't going to be a long sermon. You know, a lot of times when pastors haven't preached in a while, they like to say everything they would have said while they haven't been preaching. Well, that's not the case today. Um, but we are going to pick up... Uh, in our, our parable series, and that kind of got broken up a little bit because of some unfortunate events, but we are going to continue looking at a parable of Jesus today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16, and we're going to start in the first verse. Um, but, but do remember as we listen to this, um, as I started this series with um, the parable of the great banquet. Um, I don't remember the sermon, so it's okay if you don't either. It's safe to laugh there. I'm not hurt. Um, but then Pastor Trevor, a, a couple weeks ago, he preached um, on the parable of the sower, right? And he talked about spreading the seed. And so today we're going to look at the, the parable of the shrewd manager, uh, which is, is kind of a fun parable. Uh, there's a lot of conversation that we could have about it. But Luke chapter 16, starting in the first verse, and, and you can stay seated this morning because we are reading 15 verses, but... Um, I, I, want to, I want you to try to envision this playing out in your head. Um, so, so keep up as we read along here. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm not ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So we called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450 pretty good deal then he asked the second and how much do you owe a thousand bushels of wheat he replied he told him take your bill make it 800 pretty good deal the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, 
heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. This is the word of the Lord and we can say, thanks be to God. Parables are fun because, again, this is just a story that very well could be true, but it's probably just Jesus writing it to to teach us a lesson. Well, I first want to start off with, with a definition of the word shrewd, because in my mind, I always saw shrewd as a negative word. Shrewd and rude in my brain went together. But shrewd is not really a negative word. Shrewd means having or showing sharp powers of judgment. All right, so someone with good judgment. So this parable is about the manager with good judgment. Well, let's look at it a little bit. Well, most of us have had a job at some point in our lives. Uh, Even the the teenagers in the room have probably done something for someone and earned some money. Work life is always a whole other world, right? How many of us have ever worked in a restaurant? in any way, shape, or form. Restaurant, at some point in your life. Good. Uh, How many of us have ever worked in retail? You ever worked in a store? Yep, yep, all right. Uh, How many of us have ever worked in education? Lots of us, okay. Uh, How many of you have ever had a job in a cubicle? Quite a few, okay, yeah, yeah. We all know that as we walk into the doors of that building, wherever it is, whether it be a cubicle or a job site, or even going to school, when you walk in, it's like you enter another world, right? It's not that you become a different person per se, but you just know walking in that you're in the world of the place in which you work. And if you work from home, even when you open that computer and it's time to work, You're in that reality until 5 o'clock hits and and your workday is done. Some of us have had really entertaining jobs. Have you ever had a job that was just kind of fun and you never really knew what was going to happen and you just kind of enjoyed being there? Well, for a while when I was in college, for about three, three and a half years, I worked for Sherwin-Williams Paint Company. And um, Sherwin-Williams is an excellent company to work for. If you are looking for a career, I highly recommend it. They have great benefits, good retirement, all the things. And there's like 12 of them in our area. But I was working for, uh, for Sherman-Williams in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And uh, it, it was just a fun job. Uh, the, the manager there, his name's Alex. And Alex attended our church, and that's how I got the job. And he played guitar in the worship team. And so we worked together during the week. We uh, led worship together on the weekends. And we'd watch games together. And we were just really good friends. But that job was so much fun because we recognized that we worked in a paint store. You know, we, it, it's important and we need paint in the world, but we didn't take it too seriously. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, we sold paint. And, and most of the people, they, when they got hired on, they didn't know anything about paint. I mean, you don't unless you have to sell it. So it, it was a fun job for, for multiple reasons. One being that when new people came in that didn't know anything about paint, it was always fun t- to send them to the back and ask them to go find a left-handed paintbrush. Um, we had a rather big warehouse in this store, and if you're not laughing, there are no left-handed paintbrushes. You just, anyways, um, 
And so, or we'd send them to the, to the warehouse to pick a product that we don't sell or, you know, make up something, something good for them to go look at. And, and including one time it was, you know how in retail every year you have to do, um, oh, what's it called? Inventory. You have to take inventory and, you know, what's on the floor, what you got. And, well, we had this new guy named Logan. And Logan was, I think he was fresh out of high school or still in high school. And, uh, and so my manager's inventory time. And Logan walked in that day, and he said, Logan, all right, your job for inventory is go over to the, the wall with all the paint samples, you know, all the little chips. He said, I need you to inventory the chips. <laughs> Guys, we're, we're not talking about, like, the paint section at Walmart. We're talking about, like, a whole wall at Sherwin-Williams of these paint swatches, thousands and thousands of swatches. And Logan, first job, he didn't know any better. He wasn't going to complain, so he grabbed the sheet of paper and took the pen, and he went over and he wrote, Zero, 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 one, antique white. One, two, three, four, sixty. Alex only let him go for about 30 or 45 minutes. Count a couple thousand paint chips before, uh, before he, he got him. And, and there was always some kind of initiation into the group. You know, I, I don't remember what mine was, but it was always something good like that. Just because we, we worked in a paint store. But we, want, we understood that work could still be fun. Um, and that, yes, there were literally times that we would stand around and watch paint dry. Um, but it, it was a fun job. So was Alex a bad boss for doing that to Logan? Maybe. Was he a good boss for doing that to Logan? I like to think so. It was funny and it, it wasn't, there was no ill will about it. But I want, I want you to think about a situation like that, a real-life work situation as we work through this parable. Well, we, 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 as we started this series, and uh, we, we talked about, and Pastor Trevor even mentioned, how parables are told to a certain people, right? So this parable is being told to the disciples, but also by the end of it, we know that Pharisees are listening. And so it might have not been a huge group, uh, but the disciples are hearing it. And at this point, the disciples have been with Jesus for a little bit. And so I think that's why Jesus offers them this story that kind of really makes you think a little bit. Um, but the Pharisees also hear it too. So there's an owner and a manager. The manager is obviously not good at his job because he's getting fired. Um, and not only does he, uh, not only that, but he doesn't know how much these people owe him. That's bad. That's very bad. I mean... Think about it. If Alex at the paint store, Sherwin-Williams corporate comes in and says, hey, how much does, you know, Bill's painting owe you? And if Alex had lost track, he's out of there, right? I mean, that's, that's just common sense. It was his job to know how much they owed. But in the story, we hear that he goes to each of these debtors and he says, hey, uh, how much do you owe us? That's never a good look. And if anyone ever asks you that question... I would call someone above them in the company. Well, this, this parable is kind of conflicting. The manager forgives a debt that is owed to someone else. I don't know how we feel about that. It just seems like he shouldn't be able to do that, right? It was not his money that was loaned, and it's not his money to get back. No, I'm not telling you how to feel about the student loan forgiveness in our country. That's not what I'm trying to do here and push an agenda. But that's exactly what's happening here. I'm telling you that what we need to analyze the relationship between the manager and the owner. Okay? 
the owner's response is quite shocking. He is actually proud of the manager for lowering these debts. It's as if the manager knew the heart of the owner. And he knew that it was more important to the owner that these relationships be restored than it was that he get every penny back that he owned. Because obviously the owner has a lot. Because they've already lost track of how much that he has. See, the owner would much rather miss out on a few bushels of wheat. He's got enough wheat than to lose the relationship with his clients. Jesus says to use our worldly wealth to gain friends. Does this mean to go buy friends? I, I don't think so. But I, does this mean to have abundant generosity just like the owner? I do believe so. I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. Verse 10 is often used for prosperity teaching. If you're able to be trusted with a little bit, then God's going to trust you with a lot, and you're going to be a millionaire. That, that, that's not what's being said here. But what this is saying is that those who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much more because it's not about the amount. It's about the relationship with the owner. This is about stewardship. This is exactly why the next section, Jesus is saying that we can't serve two masters. If we have two suppliers, we will have to choose between the two, and one of those will turn into a broken relationship. We can't possibly keep both. Our relationship with money is a one-sided relationship, but our relationship with God is truly a relationship on both sides. A mutual love, a mutual respect, a mutual longing for relationship. I mean, really, the, the word shrewd always seemed to be negative, but it's actually that positive, positive outlook. The owner is actually pleased that the manager was shrewd and acted in a way that pleased him. We talk a lot about our personal relationships with God, that, that we need to be in right relationship with God personally, and that that's really important. It is us and God, and how are we doing with that? Well, this parable also reminds us that our vocation has importance in the kingdom of God. We have opportunities to respond shrewdly in such a way that greatly impacts those that we come in contact with. As is with most businesses, the debtors probably know the manager pretty well, but they're more likely to know the owner. So let's play this out in my scenario at the paint store. Alex knew all of our customers. And after being there for three, three and a half years, I knew the majority of them. And I, you know, I knew what jobs they were working on. I knew if they were painting Zaxby's down the street or if they were painting houses or apartments. Uh, and after a while, you know what paints they like and what paints they don't like. And you know what their discounts are. And, um, and you, I, I delivered paint frequently, so I knew where their job sites were. We knew them pretty well. Alex knew how much they spent each year, and he knew insights about their families just from talking to them in the store. That was another interesting thing about working there. People would walk into a paint store, and they would tell us everything. We heard about, uh, uh, about people cheating on spouses. We heard about parents on, on their deathbed. We heard about what kind of drugs they grew in their backyard. I mean, people would just open up and just talk. And, uh, and for some reason, they trusted the, pe the people at the paint store. Um, so Alex knew way more than he wanted to about most of these painters. 
the owner of Sherwin-Williams Corporate has no idea who those painters are. Absolutely no idea. The store in Bowling Green, Kentucky, we did close to $2 million in sales every year. $2 million in sales to Sherwin-Williams is very insignificant. It was good for that store and all that, but the owner was n- of Sherwin-Williams was not looking at our store saying, Yay, stop! He had no idea who these people were. The relationship that Alex had with those painters is what kept many of them coming back. It's what kept them from price-checking all the other paint stores every day when they went to bid another job. They just said, I'd just go to, rather go to Alex. I trust those guys. I've been with them for years. I, I, I know I have relationship with them. Through Alex, these people were able to know the heart of the owner. Because relationship was at the core values of the company. The company wanted us to have relationships with these painters. And so Alex was fulfilling the mission of the company by doing so. Alex was trained well and had been in the company long enough to know how Sherwin-Williams wanted business done. But Sherwin-Williams also would hold Alex accountable. If he's doing his job well, there's nothing for the company to be mad about and never heard from them. Church, God needs you to be a shrewd manager of his grace in your workplace. God needs you to be a shrewd manager of his grace and mercy in your house and in your neighborhood. God needs you to show everyone that the owner of all things is not looking to have his IOU repaid, but rather does not want anything to come between him and his beloved. A few bushels of barley or a few drops of olive oil are not worth losing out on a holy relationship with God Almighty. You see, we would have times where painters would come in and say, oh, this wasn't right. And we knew it was right when it left the store. We had dried it down. We knew it matched. And Alex knew that it was in the best interest of the company for him to just fix it. For him to just fix it, give him more paint for free, and, 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 and he'd rather keep the relationship. And Sherwin-Williams never batted an eye at that. I think in this parable we can get all caught up on, well, who was in the right? Should the manager have forgiven these debts that weren't even his? Did he still lose his job after? We, we don't really know. And, and, and what, what is Jesus talking about with, with using worldly possessions to gain friends? What this parable is teaching us is all about generosity. Being trusted with little and giving out of that is the only way that we'll ever be able to give when we have a lot. If you've ever listened to or followed any of Dave Ramsey's teachings, this is that he harps on. No matter how much money you make, you have to be giving. Especially us people of faith, you need to be tithing and giving. Not in an effort that God gives you more, but it just makes sense. If you can't handle a little bit, you'll not be able to handle a lot. It just makes sense. So I've been a little all over the place, but I I just want us to to hone in and think about this for just a second. Is it fair that these people didn't have to pay back their full debt? In some eyes, probably not. No, it's not fair. 
Were these people glad that half of their debt had been forgiven, or uh, at least a significant percentage? Yeah, they were glad. Did the owner make the right decision? Or did, did the manager make the right decision? Well, it sounds like the owner was pleased. It sounds like the owner was pleased. So this morning, we're going to take communion together. And, but before we do that, we're going to take a moment of, of prayer and reflection. Um, because we believe that, that to partake in communion, we need to ask the Spirit to search us. And to make sure that there's nothing standing in between us and the Lord this morning. And, and that if there is, that we would repent of that. And this would be a means of grace for us to return to that. But, but as we're doing that, I want you to just think about this. Do I know the owner well enough? That I can make these decisions in my life. That might seem so countercultural to the world. And know that the Father is going to be pleased. It, it's not so much about the decision as it is about the relationship. How is your relationship with the Lord? Is there something standing between you? If you were put in a rough space, a rough place to make a tough decision, do you feel like you would know what the Father would want you to do? So this morning I asked Karen if you would come and play just... Um, and, and we're going to have a time of prayer and reflection, and we're going to take communion together and ask for God's grace through that. Take a few moments. Let's reflect together. Do you know the owner? Do you know the owner well enough to know that in these tough days that we live in, that the decisions that you're making are pleasing? Search us, O oh Lord. Help us to not allow things to creep into our lives that allow that make us try to serve two masters. Today, chaos breaking into our lives, and we feel like a manager who has lost track of the debts and, and who owes what, and we feel like we've failed at our job. But Lord, help us today to realize that you want our relationship more than you want our productivity. Whatever it is that's come between us and you, it's not worth ruining our relationship. Today, we may feel like a Pharisee and think that it's okay for some things to be more important than relationships. But as you've showed today, that you know our hearts and you long to be our master, our only master. And Lord, you're not a slave driver, but rather you are a master that shows us how to thrive in the parameters of the system that we call the kingdom of God. And we're thankful today that you have invited us into that kingdom to participate with you. God, as we come to your table this morning, may you bless this bread, may you bless this, this cup. May they be for us the very body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.
so that we could receive grace. Father, may there be nothing between us and you today as we partake of this meal. If I could get a couple of volunteers to come forward, if you can stay in your seat this morning, a couple volunteers would come and distribute the elements among the congregation, um, then we will partake together. But I ask that you continue to reflect. anyone else that needs to be served. You know, on the night that he was betrayed, the disciples got to have dinner with the master. They got to sit and have a meal with the owner from our parable today, from the very one who created all things and makes all things new. And at the beginning of that meal, the owner, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And they might not have realized it at the time, but then, then the owner 
at the end of the meal, he takes the cup and he says one of the strangest sentences that have ever been spoken. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which has been shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For today, we do not just celebrate the owner, but the owner has offered his very broken body and shed blood to us so that we can know him better, to serve him more rightly, and to be one with God. I invite you to stand this morning and receive a blessing. May you go from this place as shrewd managers of the grace of God who know the owner so vividly that his glory would be seen in the decisions that you make in your life. Would you go in peace? Amen.